Well, we've been, uh, we've been talking about how perfect love casts out all fear. And we've had several messages of love versus. Love versus fear. Love versus punishment. Love versus all these things. And the beautiful, the beautiful news is love always defeats every plan of the enemy. Love always defeats anything that it comes up against. Love always beats it out. Love always beats it out. And praise God. And why is that? Well, because God is love. And he sent Christ, and we're living that out. So as we continue to move forward here, we're, we're pivoting a little bit. We've been talking about how if, if there is no fear and if there is no punishment, how then shall we live? How would, what does it look like to live completely unafraid? It's not an amazing thing to think about, to live completely unafraid. What would that look like? And, and the scripture and Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection and the things that he said in fulfilling the law and the prophets and then in speaking through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he has given us good reason to know that we actually can live without fear, that we're part of a kingdom that is unstoppable and has a momentum and we're in that kingdom and that kingdom is in us. And so it is absolutely wise and appropriate and in fact the correct response is to suddenly have a tremendous amount of confidence, and live without fear. And yet, we're, we're not yet experiencing that to the fullness of what we would like to. Amen? Some of us are still figuring that out. We're still working that out. And that's okay. Say, that's okay. It really is okay. You know why it's okay? Because we are growing up in God. We're growing up in God. We're, we started out, how many of you guys know when you, when you were born again, that you were born again? It's a trick question. No, it's not. How many of you know when you were born again, you were born again? And did you know that when you were born again, I, and when you think of birth, what do you, what's the next thing you think of? Crying. Crying. That's a good one. That's a very honest assessment from someone with little children. <laughs> right? Babies. Babies. When you have a birth, there's a baby. Well, baby, let me tell you something. It's okay that when you were born again, you're a baby. And you have to grow up in Christ. You and I have to grow up in Christ. We started out born again in God, and then we are taught by our dad. We are taught by the Holy Spirit, I think very much representing the mother heart of God. We're taught by our big brother, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And the scriptures instruct us, and then other believers in the family, because we're born again into a family. And so we have to grow We have to grow. We don't just come in all ready-made, knowing everything, armor on, ready to rock. No, 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 no. You start out as a little bitty baby, and that is okay. I was thinking about babies, and I saw this, and I just got a kick out of it, and it's toddler's rules. Number one, if I want it, it's mine. Number two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Number three, if I can take it away from you, it's mine. (laughs) Number four, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. (laughs) If we're building something together, all the pieces are mine. (laughs) I've had some Bible studies with some of you. Um, uh, (laughs) That was for me. That joke was mine. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, Jesus, help me. If it looks like it's mine, it's mine. (laughs) If I think it's mine, it's mine. If I give it to you and I change my mind later, it's mine. 
<laughs> Once it's mine, it will never belong to anyone else, no matter what. <laughs> and those are some toddler rules. You know, I think a lot of us come into the kingdom not far, not far from this. And you know what? God is not put off by that. I think he laughs just about as much as, in fact, you could have laughed more. I think God laughs more. <laughs> He's like, you sweet little thing. Look at you. So greedy and naughty and pudgy. <laughs> okay. So here's the beauty, though. He's working in us. He's forming Christ in us. And we're learning to practice what it is to become like Christ. Say the word practice. Yeah, practice is an important thing for us, okay? Because first of all, I mean, we just talked about a VIP player, right? Well, she didn't drop out with, she almost did drop out with a basketball in hand. But, <laughs> but she's been working hard, right? I mean, you'd be insulted if I was like, wow, it must be nice, man, genetics. Like, you just were born that way. No, 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 this girl worked her tail off to be doing what she's doing. She had to practice, and not just, you know, uh, Red Crab is someone who's led some teams to state. And one of the things he's always said, and uh, well, first, the first thing he said is he cut me deep. And I've had several ministry times with the Sozo team over this. So I'm, let's just get this out in the, in the open. There used to be hoops in this room. And I was in here shooting. And, uh, and Red walks in and goes, whew, it's going to take a while to fix your style. And he just walks out. And I was like, oh! <laughs> That's right. I've had four ministry times in the Sozo because of that. No, that's not true. But it was funny, and he was right. But one of the things that Red has said again and again as a great coach is this. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. If the thing you're practicing isn't correct, the outcome is going to continue to be wrong. You're just practicing the wrong thing over and over again. That's not going to make you good at it. You have to do it well. You have to actually be doing what is true and good and right and keep practicing that. Now, what happens if you don't get it right? Well, then you go back and you, do, and you try again by, by correcting your form, by correcting your follow-through, by correcting your stance. Are you catching this? And that's what we're doing in God. God is forming Christ in us, and we're learning to practice those things that he says. So here's... here's Here's where we're going today. I'm going to start with a story. And I'm going to unpack how one of these practices as, as followers of Christ is absolutely indispensable. This is a perfect practice that we must embrace or we will never, we will never see the transformation that God wants to put into us. He's completing the good work but unless we enter into practicing what it is that he says and what, what it is that he's asked us to do, we won't get to where he said that we'll go. Are you guys with me? All right, so let me, let me share a story. And uh, I really like this story, actually. Uh, there, was a, there was a couple of parents, and, and they prayed for a long time to have kids. They finally had kids, and they ended up having twins. And, um, and what was interesting is as these kids grew up, and uh, they're, I mean, you know, from the time they were babies until, until uh, they're, they're about 11 or 12 or so. So their personalities are pretty intact. And, and, um, and what was interesting about these kids is they could not be more opposite in the way that they saw life. One of them just inherently saw life as the glass is always half full. 
And the other one just always sees life as the glass is half empty. And so it, didn't, it doesn't matter what's going on. The one is like, oh, well, this is great. This can work out. It'll be amazing. Like, oh, our toy just broke, but now we can just play with it differently. And, oh, we can play like it's a wrecking yard instead of, you know, whole cars. They're broken cars. Isn't that great? And the other kid's like, things break. People die. Remember when we had that puppy and it died? Well, now the car d- died. Everything dies. So they're just going, whoa, like these kids, we, 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 wanted, we want them to be balanced, you know, we, we want to help them, okay? And so the parents decided we need to teach a lesson to these kids to try to get them to, to at least mellow out a little bit, you know? And uh, now I personally think that the optimist kid was just dead on anyway. He was perfect. I don't know why they wanted to change him. But they felt like they wanted to have him dial it back just a little bit. Maybe he was a little too snarky about it. I don't know. But anyway, he was always just, whoo, glass is half full. So what they did was on their 12th birthday, they decided, we're going to do something extreme to change the circumstances in their life to give these guys a little wake-up call to make an adjustment on how they think. So what they did was, for the, for the, uh, for the kid who the glass is always half empty, you know, Eeyore, um, they, they, they filled his room, they snuck in at night, and they filled his room just to the ceiling with every stinking thing that that kid ever wanted. I mean, it was, it was everything that a little 12-year-old boy would want, just boom, just everything. And then what they did with the, with the optimistic kid was they snuck into his room, and they just filled it up all around him with horse manure. And so, so I know, I don't know who these parents are, but uh, terrible. So... The next morning, they wake up and they're like, okay, let's see how this went down. So they start with the glasses half empty kid and they, and they go in and, and he's in the room and he's got a scowl on his face and he's just tearing through the presents and he's like, throws it and he throws the next one, throws it and they're like, what's going on? He's like, well, what's the catch? Like, this is way too many presents. Like, is it, it's probably somebody's going to come and, and pick them up. This is a, obviously a mistake. We don't have this much money. There's, are they going to just, is somebody, this was probably for a different kid. I'm not even going to get excited about this because they're probably going to get taken away. This, there's probably a mistake. What's the catch? What do you guys want from me? Do I have to work harder now for my, for my allowance now? Is that, do I have to earn this back? What is, what is it? And they're like, oh, Lord. So they left that room. That didn't work at all. So then they go into the next room, and there's Captain Sunshine in there with the glasses half full, and he's like, He's got the window open. He's just shoveling horsemen out the window. <laughs> and, and they're like, what? And they go, what are you so happy about? And he goes, well, I mean, with all this manure everywhere, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> Here's the thing. External circumstances will never change internal beliefs. External circumstances will never change internal beliefs. What you believe has to be changed by an act of will. You see, God has given us a free will. I want you to just say that I have a free will. And indeed you do. God has given you that free will. God could have created us like animals. Animals do not have a free will. They do not have a soul. But we have been given a free will. In fact, it says that we are made in the image of God. And how many of you know that God is not a manipulator? So he will not allow us to be manipulated. Nor will he use manipulation to get us to choose him. He has given us a free will. And he's given us that free will because God is love. And as you know, love cannot be given by compulsion 
or by its very definition, it is no longer love. It is just manipulation or a trade at very best, utilitarian at very best. And so this being the case, when we, when we live in this life, as we're, as we're moving in this life, as we're learning how to become more like Christ, we must understand that, that it's not going to be external circumstances that are going to shape Christ in us. It has to be an internal shift. There has to be something that happens inside of me internally where I will activate my will in light of the presentation of Jesus Christ. In light of the presentation of God's love for us and what we've seen in Christ and his teachings in the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and the New Testament, the covenant given by Christ where Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen my Father. And in light of that reality, you and I can then respond by an act of will to say, indeed, I believe you are who you say that you are. And it is only by that act of will that we will then begin to change our beliefs. There's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Many of us in our life, we know a lot of stuff about God, but we don't know him yet in that place. And what God wants to do is he wants us to know him in every place. Now, we've been talking about fear and love. And dear ones, beloved, amazing saints of God, God's kids, come on. Here's the good news. There is no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to be afraid. You need not be afraid. Jesus' first words to us is always, rise up, do not be afraid. It is I. He said it to Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. Every time that Christ appeared, be it through an angel or what have you, through all the patriarchs, what happens? They fall down the ground like, ah! And he says, rise up, don't be afraid. I bring you tidings of good cheer. Okay? I bring you tidings of good cheer. He's as good as he says he is. We need not be afraid. And since we need not be afraid, then let us learn together. Let us practice together. And that's what we're talking about today. Now, how many of you here, and don't raise your hand, you don't have to, but how many of you here, and I dare say it's everyone, has certain things going on in your life, and over the last few weeks, please go back and listen to the podcast if you haven't been listening, because we've been building here, but you've had fear in your life because you still have things going on in your life that don't match what Jesus said you would have. You still got anxiety, you still got anger outbursts, maybe you've got some lust or some, some addiction of some kind. It really doesn't matter what it is, it's just the fact is it's there, and it scares the bejeebers out of you on some level, or it frustrates you at least, and you go, man, Jesus gave me all these promises, and here I am still doing this thing. So you're doing everything that you can to change the circumstances so that you'll stop doing that thing, whatever that thing is. It might just be that you're anxious all the time. You might not even go and do anything that's overtly sinful, as it were, but anxiety is the opposite of love. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why it's happening. It's happening because you and I have been given a free will, and you and I have also been designed absolutely, perfectly rational. I want you to say that. I am rational. I know you, half of you are like, I don't believe that. 
but you are. You are 100% rational. And you're like, well, if I am rational, then why do I keep doing these things that are so irrational? Well, here's the little secret. The things that you look at that don't, that seem irrational, are actually connected to a belief that you have. And if you will stop for a moment and begin to let the Holy Spirit speak to you and process with others, you will find that that irrational thing that you do is perfectly connected rationally to something you believe back here. A foundational belief that you have, and you are, and, th- and this thing that you look at and go, where is this coming from? It's so irrational. Everything else, I'm really, really doing good, and then there's this 5% over here, the ugly five, you know? And you're just like, again, why? And here's the beautiful answer. There is an answer. You believe something that is not true. Now let's look at the scriptures and talk about how we can just. The first scripture that I want you to look at is Romans 12, um, verse 1. The ushers are also going to come. We're going to multitask today. I'm not putting any scriptures on the back wall right now. If you have your iBible, feel free to put it on airplane mode and open up your Bible app. And, um, and, uh, but right now, the ushers are going to come. They're going to give you an index card. Just take one and pass it on. There's pens in the front of the, of the uh, chairs. You'll need that at the end of the message today. But I'm going to just continue. So Romans 12, 1. It says this, I beseech you therefore, brothers, uh, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now catch verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now I want to catch this. Look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want us to understand something. Until our minds are renewed, we cannot be transformed. And until our minds are renewed and we're transformed, we are still conformed to the thinking of this world. To the thinking of the enemy. We are born again, right? We are a new creation. And then we are going through a process of sanctification by which the Holy Spirit is forming Christ in us. In order for that to happen, there has to be transformation. Transformation only comes by belief. And belief only comes by an act of will. You and I must will to act. We must will to believe. God will not make you believe. You must will to believe. If God were to make you believe, then God is not giving you a choice. So you and I must will to believe. Do you you understand? You must activate your will. You must say, I choose to believe this about you, God. Last week we prayed, Lord, I'm willing for you to adjust my thinking. I don't even want to change it yet. I'm just willing that if I believe a lie, that you would show me it's a lie. That's an honest prayer. See, you're inviting him. Lord, I'm willing to consider that what I've believed is not true. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying I'm willing to consider it might not be. That's an honest prayer. 
It's an act of will. And God will meet you in that because he's not seeking to manipulate us through external means. He is seeking to release Christ in us. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is within us. The only way that the, that the, that the kingdom can be released in us is if we invite the kingdom to be released in us. It's an act of will. Are you guys tracking? It's good, isn't it? Come on. So in verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. And when we skip ahead in chapter 12 down to verse 16, the second part of the verse, it's, 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 it, he says this, do not be wise in your own opinion. A lot of us have our own opinions and we think too highly of our own thoughts. We actually believe what we believe more than we believe what God believes. And we're, we, we are too wise in our own opinion. So we have to actually say, okay, I cannot be transformed unless my mind is renewed. You see that in the scripture. So I must be transformed. We have to be transformed in order to become like Christ. We've been saved in Christ, but now we're being sanctified in Christ. That is a process. We were born as babies, but now we're becoming free will sons and daughters. So Christ is to be formed in us. How? That we're transformed. How? By, by the renewing of our mind. Well, the first thing that has to happen in that is I've got to replace the beliefs that I have with the beliefs that God has. So where does that happen? Well, I'll show you. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse uh, 18. This is so good. Of his own will... He brought us forth by the word of truth. Come on. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the, the word of truth. That we might be a kind of first fruits of his, creature, of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Come on, some of you need to say law that right now. I'm so mad at myself for what I did. Well, you know what? Your wrath doesn't produce the righteousness of God. It's not going to help. He forgave you. Forgive yourself. Get back to this message. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And listen to this. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word... And not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one would be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself <coughs> unspotted from the world. I thought that was timely for us because we actually do something with what we believe. 
And here we are as a tribe engaging with, the, with those that are, that are being orphaned in our day by bringing them into families. So the, the active action that comes from us actually believing the word results in perfect religion. But it flows out of our beliefs as we practice it. You see how those two things are absolutely connected. You can't know about something and call that practice. You only actually know it as you practice it. I knew about Karen when I saw her, and I was like, cha-cha. But I know Karen now. And none of you know Karen like I know Karen. And it is good. It's a whole different thing, isn't it? And God wants us to know Christ. He wants us to practice being with him and believing what he believes in every facet of our life. And to the degree that we don't believe what he believes, to that degree, we are still defeated. To that degree, we see these things that seem irrational, but they're actually perfectly rational because they're connected to a belief. You see how that works? So we've got to then become transformed. Well, how does that happen? By the renewing of our mind. Well, how do we renew our mind? Well, it says here, number one, the first clue is in verse 18, of his own will, speaking of God, he brought us forth by the word of truth. The way that God renews our mind is through his word. He brought us forth through his word. And then we get another clue here, verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all that stuff you don't want to do. Stop practicing the stuff you don't want to do. Enough said. Don't think about it. Don't spend time on it. Stop practicing that by virtue of practicing something else. How do I do that? Receive with meekness, see verse 21, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness. There it is again. That word meekness is a humility. It's a teachability. Be teachable and meek. Be able to receive the word that God says about you. Stop being so high in your own opinion about your experience and say, Lord, this is my experience and this is my opinion. But it goes under yours. I will receive with meekness and be taught by your word rather than my own experience, by, uh, rather than my own beliefs. In any place, God, where my will conflicts with your will, let me pray the prayer of Jesus. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Not my belief, but your belief be done. You guys seeing that? So I have to receive the word, and it is the word. Say, the word. word. Say, I receive the word. Yeah, you do. Good job, guys. Let's go to another scripture here. Chapter 3, verse 7 of Philippians. Philippians 3, starting in verse 7. This is so good. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And then we see in Philippians, he says then, concentrate, meditate on those things. What what things? The things that are true. As I meditate on the things that are true, the peace of God is suddenly released 
into my own spirit, guards my own mind. From what? From the lies. From the conformity of this world. From that nonsense language that says you got to do what you got to do for you, baby. You need to just look out for you. need some you time. You, can, you know, you can help people, but that can really mess you up. you got to take care of you. That's the spirit of this world. God says, I will take care of you. You want proof? Look at Jesus. He carried your cross. How much more will I give you all things in Christ? Now come and suffer with me that your joy would be full. If you want to save your life, you got to lose it. But if you try to save your life, you will lose it. This is the upside down kingdom. Suddenly you're invited into this place where you get to act like Jesus and practice like Jesus. Lord, what's my destiny? Peter asked Jesus. And Jesus says, what is that to you? You just follow me. Well, what about, what about John? What's his destiny? Don't worry about John. You just follow me. Come on. Oh, man, we're running out of time, guys. All right. Let's go to the next one. Ephesians 5, 26. You know what's really great about this, though? We can always come back next week. Come on. Yeah. Now listen to this. Verse 25. We're going with Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. It's a good word. Husbands, love your wives. Now, how? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Listen to this. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present to her himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Let's break this down. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's why we're here. That he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. How are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. How is our mind renewed? By the washing of the water of the word. How do I do that? Whatsoever is good, whatsoever is true, meditate on these things. I am only transformed by the renewing of my mind if I allow my mind to come into contact through an act of will with what God says is true. And what God says is true is in the scriptures. These scriptures are called a two-edged sword that cuts even to the very motivations of the heart, separating bone from marrow and even the motivations of the heart. The motivations of the heart. This scripture actually goes in and says, oh, here's what God believes and here's what you believe. Would you like to make a trade? Yes, I will make an act of will to make a trade. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna stop practicing this and we're going to start actively practicing this. So what does that look like in real time? What does that look like in real time? Well, there's a clue right here, uh, right in, uh, in Philippians, in ch uh, chapter 4, verse 8, at the end, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. And what were those? The scriptures. 
meditate on the truth of Scripture. Meditate on the Word. The Word. What does God say about the Word? He says, my Word cannot return to me void until it has accomplished that which it has been sent to do. Where is the kingdom? Where is it? It's within you. Jesus said, the kingdom is within you. How do you get the kingdom within you? You ask, and he comes in. But how do you have Christ form within you? The Holy Spirit forms Christ within you, the kingdom, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, you will be in me, I will be in my Father, and my Father and I will be in you. How does that happen? How does that expand? By allowing the word, by allowing the word, by allowing the word to be formed in me. But he won't manipulate you and force the kingdom inside of you. You and I must meditate on the word and by an act of will allow the the kingdom, the king, Jesus, to be formed in us. And then when we go places, we release the kingdom and everything that we actually have authority over. That's how this works. That's how we're salt and light. That's how we transform entire cities. Not because we walk in and say, You know what, I'm not going to get into that. Not because of these external things directly, but because the kingdom begins to be released in us. But we first must have it released in us, and that will only come through transformation. And transformation will only come through the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind will only come through the washing of the water of the word. The washing of the water of the word will only come through meditation on the word. Here's the great news. It's very simple. These are the promises. These are the promises. Let me read you you one of my favorite prescriptions. How many of you have run into people who got a really, really bad virus, and then they went and got a prescription for some antibiotics, and then they took it for four days, and you're supposed to take it for seven, but they felt better after four days, and then they stopped taking it. And then what happened? A week later, they have a virus that's horribly worse, and now the antibiotics won't work. Why? Because they stopped short of allowing that that immunity to be formed in them. They stopped allowing that prescription to do what it was called to do. And then they were shocked that they actually immunized themselves against the immunization instead of against the virus. Beloved, we do that in our walk with Christ. We read about a promise, but we don't meditate on it. And then we think we know that promise, but in fact, we've actually inoculated ourselves against it. Because rather than meditating on it and allowing Christ to be formed in that area, we simply say, but I already know about that, and it didn't really work. So we must practice meditating on the Word. So how do you do that? Well, I've just preached to you a sermon that I have heard from one of my personal heroes and a dear father in the faith, Red Crab. I've heard this sermon that I just preached to you in various different ways, 912,416 times over the last 10 years. Red has one sermon, and he preaches it 912,700 something times in different ways. And I love him for it. These are the prescriptions that he has written for me over the years. They're good. That's some good stuff right here. Here's the beauty. 
in the kingdom, you get to always share the secret sauce. In the kingdom, you can get a prescription, and then you can share your good stuff with other people. And it's not even illegal. Dad wants us to do it. Listen to this prescription. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us, listen to this, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Woo! (sighs) You must have missed it. Let me do it again. All right. All right. Check this out. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is crazy. Grace and peace has been multiplied to me in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, my Lord, as his divine power has given to me all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power is doing that in me. Oh, it gets better though. Through the knowledge of him who called me by glory and virtue. Yeah, this is what glory looks like. Oh yeah. Look at this side. (laughs) By which have been given to me exceedingly great and precious promises that through these I may be a partaker. Now this is where I love it. Of the divine nature. And I'm male and I'm breathing, so I praise God that I have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Why? Because of the promises, the exceedingly good promises of my daddy that through Christ have been given to me. And you know what? I believe this more than what I used to believe. And I take my prescription every day. And there's more. So what I want to encourage you to do, what I want to, Paul would say it like this, and I'll say it like him. I beg you, I beg you on behalf of Christ, please take your medicine (laughs) and keep taking it and keep taking it until you by default keep seeing the rational outcomes of the promises of God instead of the rational outcomes of the promises of the Antichrist and the spirit of this world and the best things that the world has to offer. So I gave you a card. This is your first prescription. I want you to have, I want you to, I want you to just write on the top of the card. I'm gonna let you and find your favorite translation of this. There's a little bit of room for some customization. Some of you are like, I'm gonna message it up. Man, I love how that message gets me. Good. Some of you are amplified. You'll need like nine cards for the one, but that's okay. Get your amplified. Do it up. King James, what have you. Here's the first prescription. Write it on your card. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. And I want you to take that prescription. Add to them. Dollar store. Fat stack. Share with your friends. Go meet at the dollar store. Get some candy. Get your prescription cards. Write your scriptures on them. And when you get up in the morning or whenever it is that you meet with God, or several times a day. You can take them as, God loves super heavy users. And you get up. Now, I don't want you to read this thing in your head. 
You read it as it's written. And then you read it personally as it's written about you. And call me in the morning. I want the prayer servant team to come. I want to encourage you to get prayer. I want you to remember something. You are in full-time ministry. You are extending the kingdom in every sphere of society. You are carrying the kingdom of heaven within you. You are doing hard work, and you are producing fruit, and it is God's good will that you bear good fruits. When you come in this house, get prayer. Good night. Don't wait till you're bleeding and addicted and afflicted. Get prayer now where you're like, man, I'm doing hard stuff, and I want backup. I'm growing my business because, I'm gonna, because God's told me that I'm supposed to provide jobs and help. And you know what? I'm needing prayer today. Get back up. Can I get the elders uh, to all come up for prayer team as well? Get prayer now because you're in full-time ministry. Get prayer for strength for what you're dreaming about and what you want to see happen. Get somebody to agree with you in this house. We are here to stir each other up to good works, to extend the kingdom. And then if you are bleeding, also get prayer. Nobody's ashamed of you for bleeding. Good night. Let's get you healed up. So I want you guys to take advantage of getting prayer. I get prayed for all the time. I'm a prayer junkie. I want you to become prayer junkies, okay? I want you to believe for big things and dream big. Take these promises. Take this prescription. Add this to your day. Add this to your day and, and write more prescriptions. And I'm going to ask Jason to help me out. We're going to post my favorite prescriptions. We'll post these on the website so you can steal mine. But then add to them more promises. This baby's chock full of them. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless you in the name of the Father, the good Father. I bless you in the name of the Holy Spirit. Abide in him and bear much fruit. And he promises that fruit will remain. Amen.